Welcome to leadership is a personal choice. We named it that way because it is. Leadership is about taking ownership, about being responsible for yourself to ensure that whatever happens to you or whatever happens around you is positive and good for everybody. I hope you enjoy these podcasts and do let us know, rate them, send us your suggestions and send us your comments. Happy listening. Okay, now here it goes. I am about to go on a long journey. I am going to America this evening. And uh, I thought, let me talk to you a bit before I go and uh, leave some food for thought in your mind as well as some food for thought in mine. And what I want to talk to you about is the business of learning. How to learn. Now, I am in this line of, this is also my, within quotes, business. Uh, because I've been teaching uh, for now 35 years. I've taught uh, over 200,000 people of all kinds, all complexions, all nationalities. Um, and I've been learning for now 63 years. I can say that because that's how long I've been alive. I want to begin by one of my favorite quotes from Alvin Toffler. Uh, his book, Future Shock, where he said the illiterate people of the 21st century will not be those who can't read and write, but they will be those who can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. That's a very interesting comment, uh, because he says that it's not a question of reading and writing, it's a matter of whether we can learn and whether we can learn continuously over time. My only uh, quarrel with that uh, quote is, he said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who can't read and write, uh, but those who can't learn, unlearn and relearn. I would rephrase that by saying, the illiterate of any time are not those who, can, who can't read and write, but those who can't learn, unlearn and relearn. Now, the point I want to, uh, I, I add to this and I say that uh, pain is perhaps inevitable, but learning is optional. And the price of not learning is a repetition of that pain. Now, I think uh, I don't need to explain this. We have any number of examples of this in our lives and in our society and in the world that we live in, uh, which bear this out quite well, that what we don't learn gets repeated. I'm reminded also of uh, Winston Churchill's famous quote, uh, which, uh, where he said that nations that do not learn from their history are condemned to repeat it, or something to that effect. I don't know whether it's a nation or people, but effectively the same thing that those who don't learn from their, their own history are condemned to repeat it, meaning uh, what I said, which is pain is perhaps inevitable, but learning is optional. And the price of not learning is a repetition of that pain. Now, the, therefore, what are the things that facilitate learning? There are four things. I want you to keep this in mind. I'm going to list them and then we'll go on, go uh, with them one by one. The first one is curiosity. The second one is conceptualization. The third one is humility. And the fourth one is perseverance. Let's say curiosity. Now, I was in, this was in 1983. I had just joined tea planting in the Anamalays. I was in Shaker Estate. 
uh, in the number 18 bungalow. Uh, those are my planting friends who are uh, watching this video will remember the bungalow. Uh, that's the bungalow where I started my planting career. I had been there a few weeks when my aunt and uncle, both of them have passed away. May Allah grant them Jannatul Firdaus without Islam, inshallah. Uh, Hasruddin Ahmed and his wife Husnaranti. Both of them, they decided to visit me. I was absolutely delighted. First time family is visiting and these two uh, were among my dearest uh, relatives, both of them. Um, so I was very happy. They came and uh, Bastian, my butler, served us tea in his usual uh, grand style and that was fantastic. And after that, um, Hassan Uncle and Hussain uh, and myself, we went for a little stroll uh, in, 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 the, in the tea garden. Now obviously the, the paths in all tea estates on both sides are bordered by tea bushes. Uh, so was this one. So Hassan Uncle uh, picks a shoot the two leaf and bud that we used to pick. He picked a shoot and he said, uh, He said, if you just boil it, what happens? I was stumped. Now here is a perfectly simple question. It's not a rocket science question. It's not a question that is, you know, absolutely amazing, mind-blowing, nothing. It's a simple question. And the question he asked was, what happens if you just boil this? And the reason he asked this question was because before that, he asked me as we walked along, he said, uh, tell me how, how does this whole thing work, you know, how do you, how do you uh, cultivate tea, how do you manufacture tea, what is the process and so on. Now I was uh, new, I had uh, just learnt all this stuff. So I was very eager uh, to share my newfound knowledge, so I told him, I gave this, you know, brief and concise lecture on how to grow and manufacture tea. And at the end of that lecture, he picked one of these things up and he held it like this and he said, what happens if you just boil it? And I was stumped. Now, my question was to myself, uh, was why was I stumped? I was living in the middle of a tea garden. I was walking up and down past tea bushes. The, my house was surrounded by tea bushes. Why did it not occur to me to ask the same question to myself and say, what happens if I just pick a green tea shoot and boil it? What happens? I mean, what does it taste like? What does that brew taste like? The, the issue is the question never occurred to me and that is what stumped me. I said, why on earth did this question never occur to me? Now obviously the answer is very simple. The question never occurred to me because I grew up in the traditional schooling system which first of all kills curiosity and secondly it kills imagination. The two things that we need to survive and grow and win and succeed in this world are taken from us uh, in our infancy so to speak so that we become obedient morons. Uh, who are willing to obey and who have been conditioned never to think out, outside the box. And that's what was my condition as well. I had been conditioned never to think outside the box and I never did. So here were, were my teachers uh, in the plantations, different people, uh, who taught me about tea manufacture. Not one of them ever said, never ever pluck a green tea shoot and try to boil it. You will die. They never said that. Nobody ever mentioned the, the issue of plucking a green tea shoot. I am sure if I had plucked one and I had boiled it and I had mentioned it to them, uh, many of them would have, been, would have been surprised. I don't think they ever did it themselves. Uh, some of them may have laughed at it and said, what a stupid thing to do. Uh, if I ask the question, what happens if you boil this thing? They would say, well, why would you want to boil it in the first place? All the usual things 
that killed curiosity, I'm sure I would have encountered all of them. The point is not that. The point is that I never thought of asking that question. Now, needless to say, the first thing I did was I picked two or three shoots, I boiled them, and let me assure you, uh, they taste like boiled leaves. That's it. They don't. They don't taste, taste like tea because the whole manufacturing process hasn't happened. Uh, the the sap hasn't been expressed, oxidation hasn't happened and so on and so forth. So it's just like boiling. But the issue is not that. The point is not what it tastes like. The point is, do we ask questions which arise from curiosity? Are we curious about life? Now, I've seen many people and some of them are young, some of them are old, who just go through life uh, within the framework or that they have set for themselves in their minds. They never ask a question which is outside the box and I reiterate, it's not because somebody will punish them, that's how the conditioning is. How did this help me? Uh, many years later, this was in 1983, in 1991, uh, I was in uh, New Ambaria State uh, in Kanyakumari district which was now a rubber plantation, uh, nothing to do with tea whatsoever. And I was the manager there and one of the processes there was the drying of processed rubber. Now processed rubber, we call, them, we call it crepe sheets and it's literally like sheets of cloth. So these are, uh, they used to be hung uh, from racks in a very large shed, uh, shed which was uh, very well vent ventilated and uh, then these were air dry. Now one of the problems was that it was all dependent on the wind and how much of air got in there and the uh, ambient temperature which in that part of the world is very hot usually. It's a very humid place, so the drying power of the air is very less. Um, the result was that if the drying of the rubber sheets took a long time, then they would get fungus and that would seriously affect the quality of the output, which, which meant obviously the price. Um, now, thanks to my having inculcated this issue of asking within quotes stupid questions, uh, I said, why don't we, what will happen if we install withering fans from a tea factory into this shed. Now, withering fans are huge exhaust fans, uh, which are which blow air uh, in uh, through tea leaves when after we pluck the leaves, which dry the leaves. Uh, so they, they, they don't dry them completely, but they dry them partially. But these fans blow the leaves. So therefore, the process of drying is within our control. We can control the speed of the air and so on and so forth. So I said, why don't we do that? Why don't we install the fans? Well, you know, everybody looked at me rather blankly. Now, obviously, no one had, had ever thought of that. And the funny thing was that this question being asked in 1991, rubber planting had been going on for probably 100 years before that. I don't know of any rubber estate that ever installed withering fans before 1991 in their drying sheds. And the, the reason I say it's funny is because most of the big rubber companies also have tea estates. So the withering fans is not rocket science for them. It's not something they never thought of. They are using them in a particular context. But the issue of can we take this knowledge from this context and apply it somewhere else, this question doesn't arise. So therefore, nobody had done it. So I said, well, let's do that. So we, uh, we requisitioned for them. We got three, four fans. We installed them. And as they say, the rest is history. Uh, we changed uh, a piece of how we manufacture rubber sheets. All because of asking a simple question, which is the issue of uh, which can, which arises out of curiosity. The second one that comes and that, that comes from this is conceptualization. Now, 
what is conceptualization see learning is not unique to human beings uh, everything learns plants learn animals learn birds learn reptiles learn amphibians learn uh, everything every living organism learns uh, this is the whole theory behind all sorts of adaptation all sorts of uh, successful uh, you know uh, being successful in, in the environment uh, with mammals you see a great deal of this uh, in the wild uh, this is the main role of the matriarch in a uh, in an elephant herd uh, the she is the repos the repository of knowledge for the herd about where the best pastures are where the best grazing is where the where water is to be found during the drought season when there is no water she knows where to dig and so on and so forth so this is uh, that happens with that take the big cats or the small cats uh, cats the mother teaches the kittens uh, the tigers teaches her cubs, the lioness teaches her cubs, the cheetahs, the leopards, they teach their cubs uh, how to hunt. They teach them all about stalking, all about camouflage and so on and so forth. The same thing happens, uh, eagles teach their chicks to fly and so forth. Now the point is, therefore learning is nothing new, learning is not unique to human beings. Uh, we train animals, we train, I, I have trained dogs uh, for many years of my life. Uh, for tracking, um, for for retrieving, uh, and just as companion dogs, uh, one of my best memories is about training dogs. They are absolutely beautiful animals uh, and fantastic to train. Uh, I've had cats, and the cats are also trainable. I've trained horses uh, for polo and for dressage. Uh, so animals also train. The unique thing about humans and their learning is the ability to take learning from one context and apply it in a completely different context. That is the unique thing. Animals also learn, but a leopard, for example, doesn't take learning about how to hunt and then he doesn't apply it in some other context. He, what he learns about hunting stays with, it, stays with hunting uh, and so on with other animals. The, the, the ability to take learning from one place and apply it in, in a completely unrelated place, this is unique to human learning. And the reason why we do that is because we are able to conceptualize. We are able to conceptualize learning. For example, we are able to say, we have an, we have an incident, we have, an, we have a, an experience in life, and then we say, so what? And we say, well, this happened, so what? Now that so what is what is, is the key thing. It is the abstract conceptualization. Talking about conceptualization, the importance of that, um, I want to mention David Cobb's model of uh, what he calls the, the adult learning cycle. Um, he talks about a concrete experience. We begin with a concrete experience. And a concrete experience is not what happens to you if you jump out of the 20th floor window and you meet the parking lot. A concrete experience is the actual life experience that you have. For example, you are sitting here watching this video and you are in the process of having a concrete experience. Then he says, uh, once this experience is over, so when this uh, video is finished, then he says we should go into what he calls a very beautiful term, reflective observation. Now, see this beautiful term, it says reflective observation. He's not simply saying reflection, he says reflective observation. What it means is that uh, it, it is like in your mind now, you are reliving the concrete experience. So you are now standing outside yourself and you are looking inwards and saying, what is it that is happening here at this point in time? What is it that Yahweh is saying? 
uh, when I'm listening to him, what is happening within me, uh, some of the things that he's saying are inspiring uh, memories, some of the things he's saying are inspiring feelings in me, some thoughts in me, it takes me from one part of my life to another and so on. So this is called reflective observation. The third thing, and this is the key, he calls abstract conceptualization. Now, my way of expressing abstract conceptualization is very simple. I say, ask yourself a very simple two-word question. And the question is, so what? So what? And then he says, uh, final stage is what he calls active experimentation. So this so what, the answer to that, you are going to actually apply in your life. And that is what he calls ab, uh, active experimentation. So concrete experience, abstract conceptualization, uh, then, uh, no, uh, concrete experience, reflective observation, abstract conceptualization, and active experimentation. This is called the adult learning cycle, and I guess that's how the, cycle, the learning cycle works, whether you're an adult or not. Um, so, therefore, abstract conceptualization. Now, it's very important, therefore, in terms of learning, to be fully aware of yourself in when you are in an experience because that is where you are gathering all the data from and Gigo principle applies garbage in garbage out if you didn't have enough data if you didn't have correct data then your conclusions are also going to be faulty so it is very important to be in the experience feel everything think everything watch observe notice and so forth and then when you go into uh, reflective observation it's very critically important to delink yourself from emotions and I'll, I'll come to you I'll, I'll come to that in a minute uh, why I'm saying that it's very important keep the emotions out of it observe the emotions I'm not saying uh, ignore them no observe them but do that clinically uh, do that like a surgeon who is performing an operation he does not feel the pain when he's cutting the patient if he felt the pain he would not do that and incidentally that's one of the reasons why uh, usually parents will not operate on their children and vice versa because there is too much of emotion involved in the action. My father was a surgeon. Uh, I needed some minor surgery. He refused to do it. He said, I'm going to get my friend to do it. I said, why don't you do that? He said, no, I can't cut it. Now, that's the, that is the, 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 the key thing uh, as far as this is concerned. So, therefore, um, keep the feelings out of it. Observe the feelings. Don't get, them, don't get involved with them. Reflective observation. In abstract conceptualization, what we do is to say, so what? Therefore, what do I learn or what did I learn from this experience? Now, this abstract conceptualization is the key and the thing that is unique, which sets apart human learning from animal learning. And then, of course, active experimentation, which is you try out this concept of yours and see whether it actually works. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because in my consulting practice, as you know, most of you, uh, I am a leadership development consultant. I specialize in family business consulting. I specialize in entrepreneurship development. I specialize in coaching and mentoring of people. Usually, uh, a lot of them are, uh, are business uh, uh, startup uh, promoters or uh, scions of big business families. Now, many a time, I have sat with them and we are... Uh, they are pouring their hearts out because I'm there as their mentor. They're telling me their life story and, uh, you know, they've got tears in their eyes and so on. And at the end of that conversation, I ask them, so what? Now, that sounds rude. 
and believe me, it is rude, and I do it deliberately. Not because I like being rude, but because of the shock element of it, which forces people to think. So my point is, all right, here is your whole experience, you described it to me, so what did you learn from it? Now, usual answer is, so nothing, because I am so engrossed, and I am so involved, and I am so, I am reveling in my, uh, in all the blood and gore, and I am reveling in all the, the, the sad, glad, bad, mad part of the stuff that I forgot to think. And therefore, I have no concept. I went through this whole experience and I learned nothing. And that's why I said pain is perhaps inevitable, but learning is optional. And the price of not learning is a repetition of the pain. This is why people have multiple divorces. They divorce and they marry and they divorce and they marry and they divorce and they marry. Elizabeth Taylor is a a classic example, uh, she's supposed to have married 21 times, uh, you know, that's the question you have to ask is why? Because uh, what is it that about marriage that you don't learn, that you need to marry again and again and again? Uh, minimum, will learn that you are no good at marriage, so, so stop marrying. I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, that seems obvious. But anyway, the point is, what you do not conceptualize, you do not learn. And what you do not learn, you are condemned to repeat in your life over and over again. So, curiosity. The fundamental thing which raises questions, think outside the box, ask any question you like, there's no such thing as a bad question or wrong question. Number two, conceptualization. Then ask yourself, after reflecting on the experience, ask yourself, so what? Third one, there's a beautiful story about, uh, it's a teaching story about this uh, great professor who was very learned, obviously he was a professor, uh, wrote many books and so on and so forth, and then one day he suddenly uh, realized and thought to himself that I have my spiritual development is like very bad, pathetic. Um, I am very learned in terms of words, but there is no no there is no light in that knowledge. This knowledge is just bookish knowledge. Uh, I need to do something about my heart and my spirit. So he decides to go, and somebody points him to a Sufi master. So he goes to the Sufi master, and he comes and he says, "Please take me as your student." The Sufi master says, okay, um, and then he gets up from his seat, he picks up a pot, he goes to a well uh, in his yard, uh, he puts the pot on the wall of the well, and he draws water from the well, and he is pouring it into the pot. The pot fills up very quickly, the Sufi master keeps on drawing water, keeps on pouring it into the pot, the pot is now overflowing and overflowing. Now this professor is standing there, he's thinking, thinking to himself, what kind of a man is this? I mean, is he stupid or what? So he gets irritated and finally he's exasperated. He says to him, can't you see it is full? It is not going to take anymore. Why are you doing this? It's full already. <clears throat> the Sufi master smiles at him, picks up the pot and as he's walking along, he says, that is the case with you as well. Now, that's a huge uh, thump on the head to say, you're so full of yourself that you have come to me to learn you're not going to, <clears throat> you will not learn anything until you get rid of your ego, until you get rid of all the stuff that you are filled with and you get some humility and willingness to learn. Believe me, this is the biggest thing that you need. And I have, I have known this from practically from birth and that's why I am interested in learning everything from everyone. One of my teachers uh, in uh, about spiders uh, is a little boy who's 10 years old and his name is Ibrahim Madhud and every day he comes to the masjid uh, he comes usually for 
out of the five prayers, at least three is there. And immediately after uh, the Salah, almost always, uh, as I'm walking out of the budget, he tells me, Ya Rathmah, you know what? And he tells me something about spiders. I am so grateful to him. I mean, he, he opens my eyes to this beautiful creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He tells me, tell me, uh, Ya Rathmah, which is the easiest, among, among small things, which is the easiest pet to keep? So I said to him, well, uh, I'm thinking, which is the easiest pet? Uh, you know, maybe a mouse or something. He said, no, spider. I said, pet? He said, yeah, why not? You know, it, it's friendly, you can feed it, and so on. I said, well, what about, I mean, I am into, uh, into snakes. So I said, well, w w why not a snake? He said, because snakes are trouble. If they get away, then they cause a lot of trouble around you. A spider gets away, it gets away. I mean, it, you know, there's no problem. I said, well, look at this. I mean, here is this little kid uh, who is teaching me about spiders, and why not? Now, this, is my, this has been my orientation throughout my life, and believe me, I really, really, really benefit from this. So I seek out people and also helps me to, to connect with young people because I am genuinely interested, I am not pretending to be interested, I am genuinely interested in their life, in what they do, in what they learn. Uh, a couple of my closest uh, students, uh, Umer and uh, Umar Muhammad and uh, uh, Azhar, uh, I, I, I call him Azuddin because that's what his, uh, his phone voicemail uh, sounds like. Um, these are IT geeks and I call them your geekness uh, as uh, compared to your holiness or something, as your geekness. Now these geeks have taught me uh, enormous amount of stuff about uh, everyday use. I mean I am not a programmer and I don't know a program from a bar of soap but I um, am able to do things with my computer, my phone and so on uh, which most people of my age can't do and they tell me, they say you know this is the reason because you learn from us and you are interested and you ask questions. And that's how you learn. And this is the very, very critical thing. And the foundation of that, the fundamental of that is humility. Humbleness. To say, I can learn from anyone and I will learn from anyone. Believe me, as long as you are humble, the doors of knowledge will never be shut for you. Until the last breath in your body, you will be learning. And that's a huge advantage. Which brings me to the final point. And that is the issue of relearning. Remember the Alvin Toffler quote, he said, the illiterate of the 21st century are, the, are not the people who don't know how to read and write, they are the people who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. Now we talked about learning, we are talking about now unlearning and relearning. Why is that such a problem? That such a problem is because it is painful, as simple as that. So many times, I am sure you have this experience as well, you probably know and I definitely know, uh, many people in our lives who know what is the right thing but they won't do it. Who know a new way of doing something, they know it is going to be easier, they know it is going to be beneficial but they never practice it. And the reason is because to unlearn and relearn is painful. One of the most uh, common things that I see, uh, for example, in my uh, work as a, as a, as a, I, I don't like to use the term Islamic scholar because I'm not a scholar. Uh, I'm not an Islamic scholar by a long, long, long shot. Uh, but uh, for want of a better word, um, when I am when I am learning or teaching Tajweed of the, the correct pronunciation of the Quran, uh, it's easier to teach people who do not know Arabic at all, uh, rather than to people who know Arabic or who know a parallel language, a, a, a related language like Urdu or Farsi, uh, they have far more difficulty learning how to pronounce Arabic correctly 
because their tongue is used to a particular way of pronouncing things. Uh, for example, in, uh, uh, in, in, in uh, Urdu, there is no differentiation between the three different or the four different uh, sounds in Arabic for the sound za. In Arabic, there is za, there is za, there is da, and there is wa. Now, in, in Urdu, everything is za. So, if you have uh, an Urdu speaker who wants to learn Tajweed, he is going to have the greatest difficulty with saying Walladina. He will keep saying Walladina, Walladina. Now, for those of you who don't understand Urdu, Arabic, and so on, so don't, don't worry about all this. Just think about saying that people who don't know a language learn it faster than people who already know the language, but if they are going to, for example, an accent neutralization class, I'm sure many of you can link with this one because we are in the IT, ITES world where accent neutralization, just ask yourself why do we even need accent neutralization? Because we are used to speaking in a particular way and people are used to hearing sounds in their language in a particular way and if these two don't match then you are unintelligible even though you are speaking the same language. So unlearning and relearning is difficult because it is painful. Now my personal experience with this was when I willy-nilly uh, was forced to graduate or move on from a BlackBerry to at that time a Nokia touchscreen smartphone. Um, with a BlackBerry, I used to use it and my thumb, I used to type with my thumb as very, very fast uh, with a BlackBerry and it was fantastic. Um, now, then BlackBerry became defunct and we got Nokia uh, smartphones and it, was, it had a touchscreen. I was quite distinctly remember thinking to myself when I, and even saying this uh, many times uh, when I was using a Blackberry that I will never ever use a touch phone. I mean this is one of the places where I learned never to say never ever. Um, so because I said it's that a touch screen is too much trouble uh, you know you press something or you touch something by mistake and something else happens and it's too confusing much better to be typing and I and since I can do that uh, one-handed with, uh, with my thumb I don't need anything else but Life happens and I'm so happy it happened uh, where, where I moved from that and of course Nokia then became defunct and then now we have gone on to uh, Android phones. I think apples and blackberries are really fruit so uh, sorry for the, uh, I'm sure a lot of Apple users are going to be offended but why don't you present me with an Apple phone and I will uh, change my mind. Now the point is why was I reluctant for the same reason, painful. Even though I know that this new smartphone with a touch screen can do so many things more than my old Blackberry, but I'm used to my old Blackberry, I don't want to change. Now, that is the final nail in the coffin of learning, which is the unwillingness to change because what you have been doing, you have become too comfortable with it and you don't want to change on to something which is obviously superior, which is obviously better, even though you know that. Now, take this from the, from the realm of... Uh, pure tools to the realm of behavior, for example. And that is when you are looking at it and you say, well, you know, um, I am in a relationship, I behave in a certain way and I have learned and discovered that this way doesn't work. Uh, it irritates my partner, it uh, makes her mad for no reason, makes him mad for no reason. Uh, but I continue to do that because it is too painful to change. Now, I'm, it's not that I don't know. But it's just that it's, become, it's too painful to change. So I live a life where I am uh, literally choosing between a known evil and I'm choosing a known evil over 
an unknown benefit. Now that happens because I am not perseverant. What must I do? Become perseverant. Get used to the pain. Now why is, this, why is it painful? I am going to, uh, you, you will see a, a model uh, which is posted with this uh, video. Uh, I call this the, the learning curve. The learning curve is, for example, let, let, let me go back to the use of language. Um, supposing I say I want to learn French. Now I have uh, no knowledge of French apart from bonjour and I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So sorry for my, uh, for my French. But uh, if I say I want to learn French. Now what is the fastest way of learning a language? You know and I know if you look at total immersion training, the fastest way of learning a language is to speak that language only. Now if you go to a total immersion language training class, they literally do that to you. They will forbid you from speaking any language other than the one that you are learning. So if I went to a French uh, total immersion course, I would get only French newspapers, I would have only French TV channels, uh, the door signs would all be in French, uh, the menu cards would be in French, the whoever was there, the teachers or the support staff would speak to me only in French. Now what do you think would happen to my communication ability? Here I am speaking to you in English and I hope I am reasonably clear and I hope I am reasonably fluent. Now this fluency of communication will literally go to zero on the word go because English banned. French is the language and I don't know French. So on day one, day two, day three, day four and for as long as I don't learn some, I don't get some French vocabulary, I am reduced to sign language. But what happens? I am here to learn. So I have the intention, I am, I am persevered, I am mentally prepared for the pain. So I say no, I have to learn. So now I am going to pick up French words and then I am going to try and string them together. And all French speaking people will have a fit when they hear me speaking because my language, is, my, my grammar is all over the place. But it doesn't matter, they are patient, they are my teachers. And lo and behold, I will learn French. And very quickly, and some of these total immersion courses, they tell you in eight weeks, they can take you from zero to hero. Um, I want to really practice and try that out with uh, Arabic and with Spanish in due course. But the point is that that happens for one reason only, which is that you are prepared to take the pain. So to look at the model, uh, here you are at this point, which is your current fluency. The day you decide to learn the new language and you say, I will speak in nothing but that language, your communication ability goes down here. Now when your communication ability goes down here, this is painful because now I used to be able to speak clearly and concisely and uh, convey my uh, message, but now I can't do that anymore. Now there is a temptation here, which is to say, well, you know what, this is too painful. Let me just go back to English. And you can do that, but what will happen to your intention of learning French? Zero. You will never learn French. But if you stick with that, and if you say, no, no, I, this is something that I am mentally prepared for, I expected it, it's happening, big deal, I have to get over it. Then you find that you start rising and then you will be able to speak French probably even better than you can speak English depending on how much you speak. But that is the learning curve. It's a V-shaped thing like this and the bottom of the V is where what we call the area of pain. So to get over that area of pain, believe me, there is no way but to bash on regardless to be thoughtful in our learning and to continue to learn never to give up.
And believe me, it's not a long time. It takes a short time, but you find that you become fluent. You find that you become good at what at this new skill that you are trying to learn. I want to wrap up very quickly. How to learn? Four things. Number one, curiosity, which is the fountain from which everything arises. Number two, conceptualization. Curiosity asks the question. Conceptualization says, so what? What is the learning? What is the concept that I have created from what my experience taught me? Number three, humility. Always be in the position of the seeker and you can never go wrong. And number four, perseverance. Stick through the pain. Don't let the pain defeat you because you know two things. One, this pain is temporary. And two, the benefit of this pain is well worth the pain. All power to you. Happy learning. Have a grand time. And come back to us with feedback. We love you all very much. Thank you very much.